It is a joy to be with you this morning. I know the circumstances are not the best circumstances, and I know that everybody here would prefer to have uh, your pastor with you and your worship pastor with you and all those kind of things. But you know what? Um, they're off. God's taking care of Pastor Mike, and Matt is off serving in a place where God's going to use him. And you guys are here, and we get a chance to open the Word of God together, and there is never a moment wasted when we have opportunity to open God's Word and just consider what he's done for us. And so this morning, I'm just honored to be able to be here. Like I say, my name is Jojo Thomas. I, I'm with the Chattahoochee Baptist Association. And I just want to say uh, to all of Transformation Church this morning, we are excited about Transformation Church. Uh, you may or may not know that uh, Pastor Mike had sent a letter here just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month, to apply for membership in the association. So that'll begin to, we'll begin to go through that process. There's a six month process of conversations and things like that. And we're excited about the result of that, excited about one day having a formal partnership with Transformation Church as a part of the Chattahoochee Baptist Association, along with 78 other congregations that are in this area that all partner together to reach this area with the gospel. I gotta say this before I get started, and I'm gonna end up I'm I'm gonna end up walking in front of this thing. I know it'll bother everybody, but but that's just the way it's got to be. I gotta walk around. Um, I was standing out front, and I don't get to talk about this very often because it's been a long time since these days. But back when I first started as a pastor, I started as a church planner, and so we met not in a community center because we didn't have a community center, but we met in a skating rink. And in this particular skating rink, I mean, the owner had cats. One day I gave the invitation, that cat walked down the aisle. <laughs> said, I'll take it. <laughs> but all I got to say about that is it was one of the most joyful parts of my life in ministry. Uh, and for a hundred reasons, I could tell you all about it. I don't know the future, but I do know that God uses new churches. And I thank God for the experience. Debbie and I ended up staying at that congregation for 23 years. And God blessed it in so many ways. And I have so many people that I treasure who came to Christ because of that, who would never have come to Christ in responding to a church that was traditional church or uh, an established church. They came because they'd fallen through the cracks somewhere. Or they came because they needed a place where they would not be overlooked or they needed a place where they could have access to people who would love them. And God used that congregation. So I believe God will use Transformation Church as well. And then we're excited. I'm always excited. I tell people I was a church planner in the beginning. I've never gotten over it. And I don't want to get over it because I, I believe in it. So hey, praise God for you guys. It takes a special kind of person to help start a new congregation. There are a whole lot of difficulties, a whole lot of things you do that other folks who can just go and they don't have to set up their chairs they don't have to set up their sound system I mean they just go sit down and wait for somebody to serve them this is a different kind of experience so I thank God for you guys well hey in the message today we are believe it or not if you look at the calendar two weeks from Christmas today and I don't know if you're like me but I'm just I'm just kind of like really <laughs> yeah it's like it's like, really? I thought it was just Halloween, like, you know, 30 seconds ago, you know, but we are two weeks from Christmas today. And so we all got to get our heads around that and be ready. And about right now, we're in panic mode. 
you know, we're, if we're not in panic mode yet, we're about to get in panic mode, which means we got to go buy gifts and we got in our minds all this list of things we got to do. And maybe you are like me, you know, you've got, you know, parties you got to go to and family events you got to plan for and you got relatives coming in from out of town and you got to stress over all of that. You got to decorate the house just so. And it's like the whole season is just cluttered with a million things. Now, none of them are bad things. They're all great things. But the end result of it is that sometimes because of all that stuff that's going on, whether it's the shopping or the decorating or the food or the family, all that stuff's going on. We've got to get ready for it. It fills our minds so much that it shoves everything else out. And we have a hard time connecting with what this holiday is supposed to be about. Now, that's just our lives. Now, if you get on, you know, if you turn on the TV and you watch a million Christmas specials, now, we all know that this is about the birth of Jesus. Even the culture, the secular culture knows this is about the birth of Jesus. But I would just challenge you to count how many times you hear Jesus even mentioned in all those Hallmark movies you're going to watch. Or, or when you turn on the radio and listen to Christmas music, and it's like he's just sort of left out of it. And it doesn't help us. And when we come to church, hopefully we can catch our breath. Hopefully at church we can begin to reconnect with what this really is about. But the truth is, it's like a lot of things where uh, if you have been in church, you've heard the sermons. Now you've heard the Christmas songs. You know, sometimes things that are really important to us, no matter how vital they are, how, how truly significant they are, after we've done them a long time, they sort of get fuzzy to us. Y'all remember, some of y'all, you know, old enough to have had kids, and y'all remember the day you, your first child was born? Now, that may be a long time ago. Maybe there's been several since then. But I remember the day our first one was born, and they put him in my arms. I was overwhelmed. I knew that day, anyway, I knew life would never be the same. Now, I don't always hold that in my mind very well. It's like there have been a lot of years since then. I've celebrated birthday. Every year where the birthday comes, we remember it. But I don't reconnect with just how powerful that moment was. Now, some of y'all may not have had kids, so maybe for you it's the day you got married. You knew life would never be the same. You felt it that day, but you kind of lose lose touch with that or, or maybe if you know you hadn't been married hadn't had kids at some event on the calendar the pandemic comes along and you say wow life will never be the same but we go on and after a while you adjust to it and you kind of forget maybe there's some supreme court ruling you say wow life will never be the same but after a while we adjust to it and you just kind of lose touch now, see I think that happens to us when we talk about the Christmas season now, we know it's important, but we kind of lose touch with it. And this morning, what I'd like to do is for us to reconnect with that. It's two weeks off. You know, the joy that you and I know as children of God comes from not forgetting these kinds of things, even though we're tempted to do that. But we have to work at it. It doesn't just happen for us. So this morning, I want to ask you, let's go back and let's do our best to reconnect with what this is really about for just a few minutes. Now, if you look in the Gospels, 
in the first chapter of John. I want you to open your Bibles this morning, the first chapter of John's Gospel, and we're going to look at verse 14 and then verses 1 through 4 in that passage. But if you look at the first verse in the first chapter of John's Gospel, he starts with these words. He says, in the beginning was the Word. Now anybody here, when you hear that phrase, and here's this guy who's writing, he's going to write this whole gospel, but he has all the words and all of in the Greek language to choose from. And he says, here's what I want to start with. And he starts with these words, in the beginning. Anybody here recognize those words somewhere else in the Bible? Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Yeah. This is not an accident. It's almost as if John is saying, look, this event is reminiscent of that event. He's trying to call it to your mind. He says, remember that event in the beginning. It's like what, what triggered everything. And now then he says, I want to help you understand how significant this event is. And I'm going to do this by connecting it to that event. He says, in the beginning was the Word. It's almost as if he's saying at creation God spoke the world into existence. What could be more significant than that? But now then in this event, I'm going to connect the dots. And he says, now then in this event, God is beginning a new creation. In the beginning, he says, was the Word. And my question for you this morning is, why? Why would John say that the birth of Jesus is to be connected to something that is that powerful, that important, that significant? Why does he say that? I mean, why is it that you and I, even though we're tempted to kind of lose touch with this, why do we need to reconnect to it? Why do we need to understand that this birth of Jesus we talk about sing about that is so overlooked and left out in the secular culture when they choose not even to mention him even though it's his birth we celebrate why is it that this Jesus is so significant that he's not just something we can leave out he's not just something that we can just sort of is a you know a choice that some people need Sometimes I think people, when they think about Jesus in our culture today, they think of Jesus as like, it's like in a smorgasbord. When I go to Long Streets and I walk down there and I say, well, should I want this one or do I want this one? It's like, it's just whichever I pick. And John says, oh, no. It's not like that. He's not somebody you can overlook or leave out. Why is it significant to you? What is this event mean to you and me. Now, I don't have time this morning to unpack everything that's in this chapter, but I just want to take three little phrases that are in it and with you guys, consider them, meditate on them, just sort of savor them for a minute, sort of like you take a piece of Christmas turkey and savor it in your mouth. <laughs> so let me taste that. I want you to stop and taste these few phrases with me this morning. And one of them is in the 14th verse where the scripture says, And the Word became 
flesh. Now John starts out and he says, in the beginning was the Word. He's speaking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, he says, were made by Him. And apart from Him, wasn't anything made that was made. In Him, he says, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines even now in the darkness, and the darkness could never conquer it. And you go on down to the 14th verse, and he says, and the word, this one he's speaking of, he's talking about Jesus, he says, the word became flesh. I want you to savor that with me for just a little bit. Those four words, what does that mean? The word became flesh. See, now, we lose touch with Christmas because we have a hard time getting our heads around what this means. Several years ago, my wife and I went on a mission trip. One of the churches, one of the local churches was going down to Guatemala. Now in this particular mission trip, the, the goal was, what we were supposed to do was go down there and we would spend a whole week in the city dump. Because in this particular town, Guatemala City, there are thousands of people who are so poor, they don't have a home, they don't have anything, they live in the city dump. They're kids who are born in the city dump. They live their whole life in the city dump. They never leave the city dump. And I don't have to tell you how filthy that was. And I'm not proud of this, but let me tell you something. I mean, we were there for a whole week, I've never been so glad to get out of somewhere. When that week was over and I was able to get on this nice clean airplane <laughs> and, and drink a drink with ice in it and, and fly home to where I live here to an air-conditioned house with indoor plumbing and all this stuff, I cannot tell you I was thrilled to be able to do that. When I got back to the United States, I wanted to kiss the ground. Now, there are people, I, I, I wish I was this good, I'm not this good. There are people who will go and live in a place like that as missionaries. The people who live there all the time and have never left it. Can you imagine that they probably would never understand why I was so glad to leave? They probably could never understand why I wouldn't want to come back over and over and live there. Because these are people who have never experienced indoor plumbing. They've never been able to turn on a light switch when it gets dark and, and have light. They, they don't know what it is to have air conditioning. They've never lived anywhere that was not rat infested or bug infested. That's their world. Now listen, when we talk about the Word became flesh, that that. God Almighty poured himself into a human body and became, left heaven and became one of us as a human being. It's hard for us to understand how different, how drastic that was for Jesus. If you will, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians for just a few minutes. It's just on, just over to the right from John, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and the second chapter. And there's a passage in there that begins about the fifth verse where 
the Apostle Paul says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, get a hold of that, he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped or clutched onto, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Now, listen to those words. The Bible says about Jesus, he emptied himself. I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough to tell you all that that means. But I understand that it means that Jesus laid aside privileges beyond anything we could ever imagine. And all of that is wrapped up in these words where the Bible says the word is not an accident. It's not something just happened to him. He chose this. The word became flesh. He chose to lay aside the privileges of divinity. I mean, the one who is infinite chose to become finite. He laid aside all those privileges purposely. Now listen, you and I, when we leave here today, we get in our cars, we're going to drive past 500 chicken houses to wherever we go. You can't avoid it here in northeast Georgia. I want you to imagine this morning that you are the owner of one of those chicken houses. I want you to imagine that, you know, you're having a problem because your birds, your chickens, well, they're getting out. And there's foxes and predators, and so they're getting killed and maimed, and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I, I don't know what to do about this. You tried everything you know. I mean, you've put up fences, you've put, you know, things to, to get in their way so they won't, but they keep on getting out, and they keep on getting killed. And, and one day you think to yourself, well, if I could only tell them. If I could only, I don't speak chicken, so it's like, you think to yourself, if I could only communicate to them. And that night in your bedroom, an angel appears. And that angel says to you, you can. If you'll choose it, you can trade, you can trade your existence as you know it, as a human being. You can trade your arms for wings. You can trade your lips for a beak. You can trade a human mind for the mind of a chicken. You can be born, if you'll do it, you can be born in a smelly chicken house and live out your life there. You can do it with anybody in this room. Give it a second's consideration. No, you wouldn't give it a minute's consideration. You'd say, that's ridiculous. You'd say, never. But you read the words of the scripture and the Bible says the word became flesh. It says he emptied himself. He didn't just give up the privilege of being a a human being to become some other creature. He gave up the privileges of being in heaven, worshipped for all eternity. He gave up the privilege of being equal with God to become one of us to live in this smelly world with us. Now, is there anybody who can make sense of that? We hear people say sometimes who say, well, God doesn't care about us. Or people who say, well, God's just distance, you know, he just wound up the world like a clock and he's ignoring it now. 
How in the world do you believe that if you read these words? The Word became flesh. Now listen, let me say to you, anybody in this room today, there's people who are hurt today. There's people who Christmas is painful to them because life has taken away so much that's precious to them. But if there's anybody who you're in that category and you say, you know, I, I just don't know if God cares about me. I say, look, you can set that aside. Yes, he cares about you. Yes, you matter to him. There's no other way for you to explain this. Why else would the word become flesh? Those of you who are parents here today, you just imagine your child is at risk. We see these kids that are captured, they're, they're kidnapped, they're taken off, and we just, you, you ever seen the pain in one of those parents' eyes? And that parent would say, you know, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care where I have to go. I don't care how much money it takes. I will visit every pigsty on this planet. I will not quit until I find her or until I find him. And it's as if God says here, I don't care. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if I have to be born in a barn. I don't care if I have to be spit at. I don't care if I have to be beaten. I don't care if I have to be crucified. I will not stop until I make my love for you impossible to miss. The Word became flesh. The reason we lose touch with how important Christmas is is it's almost impossible for us to imagine what that meant to him. How difficult that would have been, how much he gave up, but he gave that up. He gave all that up. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You say, does it matter that much? (laughs) Yes, it matters that much. Is it as significant as the very first creation? Yes, it is, because God's putting the world in a whole new direction here with the birth of Jesus. That's why we celebrate it. That's why it matters so much. You know, it's important, too, because in this, God made something available to us for the very first time. And that's kind of captured in these four words in the first part, where I think it's the fourth verse where it says, In Him was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, <clears throat> Thanksgiving just passed, and every year at Thanksgiving, we have, a, we have a tradition in our family. We all go up to our family home place, which is up in Blue Ridge, and at the end, we've all eaten our Thanksgiving meal, and it'll be about 25 people. This year, it was 40 people. Um, and we all line up on the porch, there's a front porch and a back porch to this house. It's an old farmhouse. And we line up on the porch, and we will all stand there, and we take a Thanksgiving picture. Well, we started this about uh, 35 years ago, and we've done it every year. And at first, it was just a fun thing to do. But after you do something like that year after year after year, you've got like a, you've got like a panorama And now I can take and I can line those pictures up and it's like the story of our family. 
And some of the story is joyful. Because 35 years ago, you know, me and my wife were kids. <laughs> and we didn't have any kids. And then about two years later, here we are with a baby in our arms. About two more years later, here's two babies. And, it, you know, and it's just like a panorama. But while we're adding kids year after year, you put the pictures in line. Also, here in this side, there's my grandmother. And then over here, she didn't look too healthy. And over here, she's gone. People coming in, people going out. And I watch that panorama, and it just reminds me how precious life is and how impossible it is for us to sustain ourselves. No matter how hard we try, we cannot sustain ourselves. This process of birth and death, here it is in living color. You know, the truth is, about every one of us, our life, we are not independent. We cannot sustain ourselves. Every one of us, that's true. Our life is dependent on something else. Now, that's not just true about us. It's true about every living thing in, on the planet, from the tiniest blade of grass to the big blue whale. If you were to ever blot out the sun, if you were to stop the process of you know, photosynthesis, you break the food chain. I mean, we, our lives are all dependent on that sun at some level. You blot out the sun, which, by the way, is the only source of energy in our solar system that is independent. I mean, it doesn't have to go somewhere else to get its energy. The energy is inside it. And it becomes the source of life for everything on this planet. Now, when you read these words in the scripture where John says, in him was life. He doesn't just mean Jesus is alive. He doesn't just mean that like some battery that has energy, it runs out. He doesn't mean that. He means that Jesus is like that son, meaning his life is not dependent. He doesn't have to go somewhere else to get it. He doesn't depend on anything or anyone else for it. I mean, life is, it doesn't just mean he's alive, it means life is in him. It means he's like that sun that is the source of life for everything on this planet. Jesus is the source of life. And you can't get it anywhere else. In him was life. And like some great sun at the center of the solar system, he gives life to everyone who connects with him. Now, does that matter to you and me? <laughs> yes, it matters to you and me. You know, I ask this question. What happens when someone who has that indestructible, who is the source of life, he has that indestructible life within him. He's the source of life. When he becomes a human being, I mean, when he becomes one of us, it's almost like when he joins our network. You know, I'm old enough to remember, and some of y'all are not old enough to remember this, but I'm old enough to remember the first computers that came out weren't connected to any other computers. And believe it or not, I mean, you bought a computer at the store, it could do whatever it could do, but that, you couldn't talk to any other computers 
it was just a standalone machine. And I remember how amazed I was when we, we had in the building we were working in, they, they set up the first uh, local network, meaning it had wires running to all the other computers. And I could hit a button and I could transfer a file from this computer to that computer, the other end of the building is like, Shazam. <laughs> it's like, I just, I, said, I was amazed at that. Now that's, you know, that's no big deal at all now. It's like every computer's connected to every other computer in the world. You hit a button, you can transfer this to someplace in Madagascar. You can transfer whatever file you've got to someplace in England. It's like, just hit a button because they are connected. Now I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough to tell you all of what it means to say that Jesus connected. He became, the word became flesh. The source of indestructible life connected. But I can read my Bible in 2 Corinthians, the fifth verse, fifth chapter, in the 20th verse, where Paul says, Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Do you hear that? He's saying that there's this transfer that becomes possible now. So that when Jesus dies and pays for my sin, my, my sin can be transferred to him. His righteousness can be transferred to me. The source of indestructible life, the only source, listen, the only source of indestructible life is Jesus. When the Bible says in him was life, it also means nowhere else. There is no other source for this. When he becomes a human being, my sin can be transferred to him. He dies in my place on the cross. His power, his life can be transferred to me by some process I'll never understand. Now listen, <coughs> I want you to imagine this morning some little blade of grass out here that says, well, you know what? I, I just don't want to believe in Jesus. Here's this little blade of grass out here that says, that's not my opinion. That's not my preference. And he just says, I'm not going to receive anything from the Son. He grabs a little piece of cardboard and pulls it over his head. I'm not going to receive anything from the Son. What's going to happen? You know what? The moment will come. It may not happen right this instant, but the moment will come when his opinion won't matter. The moment will come when his preference, her preference, won't matter. The only thing that will matter is what's real and what's true. And what's real and what's true is that in him was life. And nowhere else. Now listen. What does that mean to you? It means that death is not the last word. It means that if for you Christmas is a lonely moment because you've lost people, 
It means that death is not the final. It's not the end. It's not the last word. There is something more powerful than death. And his name's Jesus. And he is your savior if you'll let him be. It means that at Christmas when the world is going and just kind of acting like Jesus is something that's sort of optional, that you and me, it's one of the reasons Transformation Church is so important. Because people need to hear this truth. The day for them is going to come when their opinion won't matter, their preference won't matter. The only thing that's going to matter is what's true. And what's true is that there is no other source of life. You pull that cardboard over your head, you cut yourself off from the source of life, there is no other source. Your friends, your family members need to know. And this morning, before we leave, I want to ask you, is there a friend, is there a family member at this season of the year that needs to hear from you? And we'll hear from you because they know you love them. Yeah, does this matter? Yes, it matters. It matters because it lets us see the heart of God. He is not distant. He's not disinterested in you. <laughs> For goodness sake, the Word became flesh to make Himself visible to you. He's not just powerful. He's not just holy. He's all those things but he's passionate about you. How else are you going to explain this? And he has made available to you and me this source of indestructible, eternal life that you can't get anywhere else because in him was life and he is now a human being. Does it matter to me? Absolutely it matters to me because it gives me confidence in the future. Last week, we had, and I don't know when I've seen this happen, but we had about three days where this fog sort of settled on Gainesville. It looks like it wouldn't go away. <laughs> Y'all remember that? And I kept thinking, is this going to be forever? <laughs> is this going to be forever? When is this stuff going to lift? And for the Apostle John, when he wrote these words, I mean, he lived in a world where evil was in control. I mean, the Roman government had sort of taken over everything like some fog that had settled. It just wouldn't go away. And it was there year after year after year. There are people who would wonder, will it ever go away? There's people who, in America today, you take a look at what's happening, whether it's in economics, whether it's in politics, and you just discourage. You think, well, is, is evil always going to be in charge? Or, or you say, well, is this assault maybe on the family or on on understandings about marriage or this assault that's just completely turning the world upside down. Is that the future? Is that all there is to the future? Just constant direction away from what the scripture teaches and what God tells us is true. John says no. There's this little passage in the verse where he says, So the light shines in the darkness. In the Greek of the text, it's in the present tense. It means the light is still shining in the darkness. Despite everything. If you ever, you know, you may remember being in history class and remember that story about Francis Scott Key, the guy who wrote the national anthem, Oh Say Can You See by the Dawn's Early Light. Remember that? 
Well, that story is that he was, when he wrote that song, he was on board a ship out in Baltimore Harbor, I think it was. And he's watching all night this battle going on. And there's this assault, there's this bombardment. And you know, every so often a shell would burst and you could still see which flag was flying. But after it was over with, it was still dark the next morning. He couldn't see and he wrote those words at that moment when you couldn't tell yet. But he knew that if the light came up and he looks up there and he sees that his flag is still flying, that it had withstood every bombardment. It had withstood every attack. And if that flag was still flying, it, give in, it gave indication that not just today would there be a victory, but ultimately there would be a victory. And John has something exactly like that in mind when he says about Jesus, that despite every bombardment, despite Herod's attempt to kill him in the cradle when he was just a baby, and despite the religious leader's attempt to silence him, despite later on arrest and trial, crucifixion and murder, that three days later Jesus had gotten up from that grave and his flag was still flying. He was still alive. And he's still alive today. This baby that's born in the manger, he withstood every bombardment. And the truth is that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you're part of his family. That all started the day Jesus left heaven and came to earth. But it's going to end one day when he comes back and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess and for you what that means is you can have confidence in the future no matter what's happening today politically no matter what's happening in the culture no matter what's happening even in your own personal life when things are going difficult you can have confidence in the future because you know who's in charge does this matter does anything else matter would be the question. Does anything else matter? If it's true that the Word became flesh, if it's true that in Him there is indestructible life available to me, if it's true that the light is still shining and the darkness cannot conquer it and never will, if those things are true, does anything else matter? That would be the question. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Ben's going to come lead us in a closing song. Randy's going to be at the front here to receive you. And maybe there's somebody that you just have on your heart today that you are praying for that needs to hear the truth, needs to hear the gospel. Or maybe for you, you're just disconnected. You've lost touch with what all this means. You're discouraged and maybe been afraid of the future. You want to come and pray with, pray with Randy this morning. You come as God leads you. If you want to just come and kneel and pray, just you and the Lord. Not, not pray with anybody, but just come you and the Lord and pray. You come as God leads you. As soon as I get through praying, you just, you just step up and come on to the front. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for Christmas, the season. 
We pray that you'd open our eyes, open our hearts and minds to remember and reconnect just how wonderful it is. Thank you for the gift you've given to us in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name.